This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast series, From Backstreet to Wall Street, where entrepreneurs from around the world use innovative business models to solve some of the world's most pressing business problems. Leaders in the impact investing movement who are providing the capital to fuel the growth drive these conversations. Your hosts are Mukul Pandya, Executive Director and Editor-in-Chief of Knowledge at Wharton, and Doreen Shanaz, Founder and CEO of Impact Investment Exchange, one of the pioneers in promoting impact investing in Asia. Now, today's topic is converting skeptics into faith-based investing. Faith-based organizations are increasingly looking to innovate in, in innovative investment opportunities to build on their commitment to contribute to positive social causes as well as stewarding the resources responsibly. A study of over 100 faith-based institutional investors in 2010 showed that they're more than three-fourths practice impact investing. That's quite an astounding number. In today's episode, we'll hear from Mr. John um, Shagusni. Am I saying it right, John? Oh, close. It's O'Shaughnessy. Close. Okay. All right. Um, the CEO and CFO of the Franciscan Sisters of Mary, a Roman Catholic group that are compelled by their faith to actively make investment globally that advance clean energy and sustainability initiatives um, forward to reduce the devastating effect of climate change. And I know you're doing a lot of things that's also linked, of course, to the social side as well. So, John, welcome to the show, and thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, Doreen, thank you very much. It's great to be with you today. Good, good. So, John, we always like to start with a bit of a personal story. So tell us how you got into this journey, um, because you have a fascinating story. Um, so tell us a little bit before we talk about the investment side. Sure. Well, the journey actually for the sisters began 146 years ago. There were six women who had migrated from Europe to St. Louis. They were fleeing religious persecution at the time. They landed on the St. Louis Riverfront, and they formed a faith community. And it's interesting, the term backstreet, because they actually they were doing their ministry and serving the sick and the poor and the most vulnerable in the community in the backstreets of St. Louis. So as, their, as time went on, they were involved more and more in health care, and uh, and as they and the the Wall Street side comes about, their savings they they've saved um, and accumulated money as time went on and invested those funds, and more recently have found ways to, as you mentioned, uh, do more impactful types of things with those financial resources and the use of capital. So right. And when did you get involved with the sisters? Oh, uh, well, I've been with them for 26 years, 1992. So um, you were there throughout. You, you were there through the journey. Yeah, I, I've been them with them for quite a while, and it's been, it's been a ride. It's been wonderful, and uh, working with these women religious for lots and lots of reasons, plenty of great perks. Right. But, you know, it is, it is very interesting. I remember first um, reading about the sisters um, and yourselves, the work that you're doing. Frankly, I think it was in New York Times or, you know, one, one of the publications. And this was, you know, a number of years ago. Um, and it was truly fascinating. So, um, so for me, it always stayed in the back of my mind, I mean, how, 
a group of women, you know, and a man, um, were so sort of forward-looking in their thinking. And uh, tell us, tell, tell us a little bit about that. You know, I mean, tell the listeners why it was so important, uh, you know, for the nuns and the sisters and and for yourself to, um, you know, to make this shift. I mean, I think it didn't happen overnight. It sounds like there was a process with the investment. There was a process. Uh, The process began in 2009 to do things a little differently. We had been doing socially responsible investing, investing by screening out companies that were not aligned with our mission and voting proxies, doing some shareholder engagement, some some investment in, in um, community development and housing loan funds. But we really weren't measuring up to what our guidelines said we should be doing. They were much more ambitious when you looked at them. We should really mm-hmm. be doing more positive things. So we actually went on a mission ourselves to find out, was it possible to do more? And we discovered that there was this burgeoning space out there with people that were uh, actually doing impact mission-related investing well beyond what we were doing. So that that started us down the path. Right. Now, from what I understand, um, it seems like, um, you know, the FSM, which is the Franciscan Sister of Mary, Mm -hmm. so let's say FSM for short, um, you actually sort of find and fulfill this divest and invest pledge. Can you tell our, our listeners what that is? I mean, this divest and invest pledge in 2014 that you embarked on. Sure, exactly. Uh, well, we actually started on the, the invest piece to invest in really helping build out capacity for clean energy, uh, clean energy infrastructure, renewable, renewables, energy efficiency, and so on. We began that in 2012 with actual investments being made. And in 2014, and being inspired by the University of Dayton, which had made a pledge to divest from companies Mm -hmm. that had fossil fuel reserves. So for us, it made perfect sense. We were now investing in these clean, uh, clean solutions. We no longer wanted to invest in things that were really um, adding to the problem in terms of climate change greenhouse gas emissions, and so forth. So we made a pledge to divest. So by the end of 2014, we had divested fully from all all companies that had mm-hmm. fossil fuel reserves. Wow. So it really mm-hmm. is a movement. There, there are a great number no, that, of other no, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then you also then, of course, um, joined this uh, Midwest Coalition for Responsible Investing. What is that? So for a long time, that that has been in place. There are a number of faith-based organizations and others that mm-hmm. are uh, very interested in seeing companies, particularly those that are headquartered in our St. Louis region, and okay. identif- identifying areas where they're really not, it does not seem like they are fully responsible in the way they're operating in terms of environmental issues, governance issues, social issues. Mm -hmm. And so we work together and we attempt to have dialogue with these companies around some of these key issues. And in some cases, it's quite successful. In some cases, we need to move further into actually uh, filing joint shareholder resolutions to put these issues Mm. before the actual shareholders. 
So right. it's been uh, it's been quite active for a good long time, and uh, a number, and, and we even have investment professionals that are part of oh, that okay. uh, Micri group. So it's quite a collection. Right. right. And what kind of um, so you know in terms of I'm, I'm very curious. So in terms of of course FSM as well as this coalition. I mean, what kind of investment is it similar? type of investments that you are involved with, or um, can you give us a little uh, taste of it, what it is? Well, for, for MICRI, the MICRI group, that that is just mm-hmm. focused on shareholder engagement. So in cases where okay. we hold common shares in, in, uh, in companies, then those okay. are the ones that we're focusing on. So we don't have okay. a common pool of funds or actually even a direct approach. To how we invest our funds, right, right, and now, but in 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 case of uh, for FSM, you have of course, um, you know, made this shift uh, very much so part of your portfolio, mm-hmm. and investing, you know, in not only in the U.S. but in Latin America and Sub-Saharan Africa. Tell us a little bit about that on some of those investments. So we have, as you say, we have a number of investments. Many are based here in the U.S. Uh, on the impact side specifically, we've carved out 15% mm-hmm. of our overall portfolio and, and directed that towards impact investing. These are all private investments, either private equity, mm-hmm. private credit, private real assets. So, and we hadn't had private investments previously. So we work with an advisor. The advisor does the sourcing, the due diligence. Mm-hmm. And so we're investing in things like a company called MCOPA, which is mm-hmm. in uh, Nairobi, and they provide mm-hmm. solar solutions for households and very small businesses um, and is, is a way to replace the use of kerosene for a, actually a less expensive alternative of solar and that also not only provides um, lighting for their homes, but also recharging of their cell phones, or radio, and in some right. cases for a different system, uh, they'll have television as well. So, so that's a win-win. That is reducing mm-hmm, greenhouse absolutely. gases. It is a total improvement in terms of lifestyle and uh, some basic things that we just take for granted. Now they actually have access to the other things that we do, uh, exciting on, um, in terms of sustainable agriculture, there's a company we've made a direct investment in called Midwestern Bioag. They're based in mm-hmm. Wisconsin, and their focus is really health of soil. So they work on systems to develop healthy soil using bio uh, biofertilizers and implements, and it does a does the effect, the effect is to significantly reduce runoff. The inputs are much, much less on, on these lands. And so it is uh, terrific in terms of reducing greenhouse gas effect, reducing pollution runoff, and actually increases yield significantly. It's a focus on health of soil. So that's right. another uh, another example. We are involved in sustainable timber operations, conservation forestry, detoxing of the environment, uh, just a number of things. And, and actually, uh, the listeners are welcome to go to our website. All our investments, we have a little feature on each one of them. 
We also feature have feature on each of our grantees that we make in um, grants to as well. Right, you do grant. You, you you actually give grants as well. I know for for various we projects. We do. So it's it's quite a range. We have I think right. now we're up to seventeen investments, uh, and they're all featured online. If if uh, folks would like to at least have a look at those. Right, right. No, which is fantastic. Now, you know, it is interesting. I mean, um, I'm sure, as everyone sort of asks, you know, it's it's great. Um, I mean, you know, at IX, of course, we do this for a living, and we get asked this all the time, which is, wow, so you are creating impact and, and giving financial return, um, and this is all wonderful, but what are you actually giving up, right? So, so in, in case of FSM, now that you have, a portion of your portfolio which is focused on this, mm-hmm. the financial return is it is it lower than what you have would have been if it were in traditional market, and yeah. does it Great matter? Question. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, does it at the end of the day matter? Because even if you had made more money, um, would you have done anything differently with it? With what what is happening now, which is you're getting the impact anyway. So, so I think it'll be interesting for us to kind of hear your thoughts around this. So I, I like to talk about this because it's it's almost like uh, it's hard to believe, but it's quite true that with the addition of these impact investments, and again, I think I mentioned we had not previously been investing in private investments. So mm-hmm. this will actually allowed us to diversify into private investments, mm-hmm. and these are market rate risk adjusted investments by and large. And so from our perspective, and we're quite certain of this, and we can look at data uh, in terms of our results, we're actually uh, improving our overall risk-return profile, having moved into That's this space, set aside, mm-hmm. set aside the impacts, set aside the benefits for society and the environment. Uh, we are better off now as investors than we were When you look at it from a portfolio level. Right, in terms of the, the yes, diversity. overall rate. portfolio. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the exciting piece for us. Now, the, the part I like to say is that we, we are not the model. Our approach is not the model for everybody. Every institution's circumstances are different. And so their solutions, mm-hmm. how they integrate impact, can, can look a whole lot differently. Some don't have the liquidity kind of uh, uh, capabilities that we do where we can move into impact. We have an excellent advisor that we're able to use that helps us uh, do all this work and make really mm-hmm. good decisions. Uh, but everything we do is, is tied to a good fundamental approach to investing. Our investment program is very well thought out. We depend on these, these earnings. Most of our income comes from our investments now. We are an, an, an aging community. We have fewer and fewer sisters in active ministries. So we just we rely on this in Social Security income to pay our bills and to do mission. So it's critically important that we do it well. Exactly. And do you, do you now see that, um, I mean, you said that it's not for everyone else's, uh, you know, it's for your model is a unique one and it works for you. But, I mean, do you, it does look like a lot of the faith-based organizations um, in the U.S. are are actually moving towards this. So, I mean, so is it something? Uh, I mean, are you, are you? I mean, it almost sounds like you're the trendsetters. I mean, although you're saying that uh, 
you know, it works for you and may not work for others. I mean, what's your thought on that? Oh, I think it can work for everyone. It's just our particular approach with private investments that is unique to us. I, there are other groups that maybe don't have the freedom to get into. Right, because they, they don't have the liquidity. You, you know, right. they won't, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other, and it's a growing number of options in terms of investment managers that can work with private uh, not just private, but public securities, ESG, as I'm sure you've probably talked about on your show, um, and so on. These these opportunities are growing significantly. There is, within the Catholic faith community, a growing interest in impact. And, in fact, uh, a group has been formed a few years ago called the Catholic Impact Investing Collaborative, and it's all hmm. about sharing learnings and our experiences among each other to help impact grow. And so it has a very sort of personal, relational aspect to it. And this group has multiple gatherings uh, in the U.S. this year. So I believe believe recently also uh, the Pope made some comment about impact investing. So uh, do you think this is now going to go global, at least for the Catholic uh, faith-based organizations? Uh, It it certainly is. Actually, the first... Vatican Impact Investing Conference was in 2014 and fully mm. supported by the Pope. The second one it was in 2018 or 2016 and then the next one will be in July of this year uh, at the Vatican. So there is definitely momentum around impact investing certainly within um, the Catholic uh, Catholic community globally. In fact, Right. Uh, as a part of the Catholic Impact Investing Collaborative, we're hearing from groups from across the globe that have an interest in learning more and trying to uh, gain uh, working knowledge of how to integrate impact into their investment programs. Absolutely. This, this, this is a topic of great interest in conversation uh, uh, in many of the conferences, the Catholic faith conferences that I've attended. Right, right. That's very interesting. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about the, you know, so the impact side of impact investing. So do you, um, because obviously this is, I would think, more than anyone out there, I mean, this will be um, a very, very uh, essential component for you all. And is this something that you're measuring, or is this something that you have certain outcomes that you're trying to get through the impact that you're focusing on? I mean, how, how do you how do you look at the impact side of this? So, well, the impact side, when you talk about social and environmental benefits, just put it in terms for our our sisters. This is this talks. This is about doing good for society, for people. Mm-hmm. It's doing good for all of creation, the environment. And so when you look at women religious who have made lifelong vocation commitments, this is what it's about. This is why they got in. This is this is why right, this exactly. is what their calling is about. So this this is why it's so exciting for the women religious that I work with and other Catholic congregations that they're so thrilled with the possibilities of doing mission. Doing mission. And if you want to get any women or men religious and excited talk about their mission. That's why they're there. And so with financial resources, we're finding that this is a new way to do mission. We have fewer members who are able to do the work hands-on. 
mm-hmm. as before. But now, now we have a presence globally and by use of our financial resources. And so, so, so that's that's sort of the the overlying theme here for us. That why it's so important. Right. But the impact right. measurements are are great, and every investment that we look at and are presented by our advisors, they have done uh, rigorous due diligence work on both the risk return profile and also the mm-hmm. impact measurements. And so we right. know getting in that the impact elements have been looked at and do they fit with what we're looking for. And right. for us, fortunately, right. our advisor is able to generate reports on an annual basis that essentially by investment uh, share with us what those impact metrics have been for the past year. Right. Right. So I think and that, that is an essential component, sort of uh, having the due diligence and monitoring of it, obviously. Um, and and again, this, it, it is very very interesting. I think just thinking thinking about this whole process because um, it really effectively, of course, when you're doing when you did that work anyway, the philanthropic side, um, you had that also. So it's just really sort of putting the two together, you know, in one sort of effective way. You know, which sort of brings me to the next question, which is um, just as you said earlier on. I mean, uh, you do have you know on your website all this information that you're doing. Um, on the investment side, also on the philanthropic side, the grant. So what what is sort of your key consideration when you, when you think about making a philanthropic grant versus when you're making an impact investment? I mean, it, wh- how do you sort of look at it, uh, one versus the other, and which one should you use in a certain project? So, Doreen, the way we look at that is that there are just some some things when it comes to use of financial resources that just lend themselves to investment. That is placing capital that is needed to mm-hmm. um, for an enterprise to uh, actually build out a solution and scale that solution. And that's what we mm-hmm. discovered with, with this type of investing that we didn't, hadn't seen before, that we're talking about scaling up solutions that are good for society, for the environment, that can happen with the use of capital that can't be done with just philanthropy. So so that's that's one side of it. The other but side But philanthropy still needs to be there. I mean that which, it does. which is I think which right? Exactly. Oh absolutely sure. and, and and I'll give you an example where it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't lend itself use of capital like I just described doesn't lend itself in other circumstances. For example, um, we we contribute to 350.org, we contribute to the global Catholic climate movement. Both of these are about movements. And so on the GCCM side, it's about moving Catholics, over a billion in the world, mobilizing mm-hmm. them around Laudato Si', which is the encyclical from the Pope that on our common home, which is focused on creation, the environment, issues with climate, the effect it has on the poor, so it, it's so those are examples where uh, use of capital and enterprise doesn't doesn't fit, but it right. certainly does for grant making, and so right. that's that's an example I would give. No, that's a very good example. Um, so just for the for our listeners, um, you are listening to from Backstreet to Wall Street. Um, it's a series that explores how impact investing is linking the remotest parts of the world to the global financial markets. And today's episode is Converting Skeptics 
through faith-based investing. And we have our guest, John O'Shusney from Franciscan Sisters of Mary, and, and I'm Doreen Chanaz from Impact Investment Exchange. Now, John, you know, it's, um, I have to sort of confess, I should have said this earlier on, but I'm a product of, of, a, of Catholic schooling. Wow. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, it was really remarkable. Um, you know, my school and the order was part of, uh, of Mother Teresa's um, order, and, you know, it was all part of the same thing. And, um, you know, one of the biggest sort of memories of mine was this hospital um, that the sisters ran, and we would go and help out, and how the school was in the, you know, very sort of deep in the slum area. Um, and the school was there, and we would go, and the slum kids would, would go as well. And, and I think now, you know, when I think about it and what you're saying, um, projects like this, which is in the remote parts of the world, this was in Bangladesh, um, how do you think kind of the whole role of impact investing can make these stronger and, and sort of make it more sustainable? I mean, I'm thinking of that hospital. I haven't been there in decades, but, you know, I know it's still around. And, uh, I mean, how, how do, I mean, how can you sort of get others um, to be embracing this so they can actually also continue the great work that they're doing? So that's a, that's that's a tough one because what I've discovered is when when we started doing this, there were no other Catholic groups that that I could find that were doing it like this, and so and we looked and it was hard. So we started. I started calling around and just saying, "Hey, you know, how about getting together and talking about this?" And you get two generally two responses. One was lukewarm. It's like, "Oh, that's great. Tell me how it goes." You know, and the other was like, "Oh my gosh, when's it going to happen? I'll come." I had people tell me, "We'll come from you know that would come from New York or San Francisco. Just tell me when it's going to happen." And it was wow. like they got okay. it. They got it right. right? So they they had this deep sense of calling to it. And so right. I think you know that's that's where it's going to begin. You get those people who are in front. Because they have this sense deep in their their heart that this is this is can make change, this can be systemic change. This this is capitalism at its best. Um, exactly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and so that's that's what's so encouraging. And we're seeing more and more young people, including investment professionals, and I could name a few, that this is they're they are all about this. They're not. That they're not in the the business just to make money. They're in the business to make this work and develop and see it happen. And so that's the encouraging piece that I see happening. And but you know some people just don't get it and and don't judge them. It's just not where they're at, and they'll follow right, eventually. Right, and that's probably. fine. Right. So what what advice would you give people that you know so they don't get discouraged by the naysayers and. So they can sort of, you know, surge ahead and start getting their feet wet, you know, in this whole space. What would you tell our listeners? I mean, how would you, where should they start? Well, first, uh, connect. Uh, the collaboration is the key here. It's connecting with others that um, if you have this sense of wanting to learn more and, and see how it's possible, there are people out there whether it be the Catholic Impact Investing Collaborative for, for the Jewish Lens Network that is doing similar mm-hmm. types of things and networking. There are people that are excited, as I am, to talk to 
you about it and what we've done and connect you to other people. That's what Seek's about. That's what Jay Lenz is about and other groups as well. Can read these on these media platforms. Knowledge at Wharton is a great one. Um, the Impact Investing Exchange, the Alpha Impact, there are so many more platforms for sharing right. of information mm-hmm. out there and ways to learn. Right. That's how I learned about what I can do on even on my own individually from Alpha Impact. So it's Impact. like basically research. You have to kind of start off just learning the knowledge. You, that's exactly right. And then talk to their advisors. I mean, almost every investor, institutional investor, is using a consultant to help them. And so right. those partners are absolutely critical. We could not even begin to dream of doing this work without our advisors. Right. And if your advisor is not so hot on this, then, you know, there are others out there that will be. So, and then engage the decision makers. Begin to talk to Mm. the decision makers because the the biggest impediments I've seen are, one, investment committees that are sort of stuck in their ways and in the status quo and the inertia of things and not having a sense of mission, deep mission that goes beyond just making money so that they can, you know, fund what they're doing. No, the mission is much greater than that. The potential is so much greater. And so educate and talk to the decision makers about this. If the leadership teams are out there saying, we want you as an investment committee to go out there and show us how this is possible for us, then they're going to do it. If it's the other way around, well, the investment committee members say, well, we don't think this is a good idea, and, you know, then it probably won't happen. So gotta gotta get leaders involved in our case we had just a dynamic uh, leadership team a true champion and a president when we started doing this that was out there let's find out more what can we do and then every exactly. step along the way they're right on board so that's right. how it that's how right. it can happen no you're absolutely right it's the leadership is, is very important as well but also I think that cuts across, um, you know, various camps and, and religions as well, because obviously in the U.S. there are a lot of Jewish communities who are, I know, doing impact investing as well. Yeah. And uh, and I think it'll be very interesting to kind of, you know, reach across the aisle with the different religious groups if they are all doing this. I mean, wow. I mean, it really is, you know, as you said, capitalism at its best. And, uh, and who knows, it's also linked to, you know, creating peace. I mean, this is absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And um, and frankly, for the rest of us, it really gives us hope that you know we really can connect Back Street to Wall Street and uh, even achieve some of these you know sustainable development goals like you know the partnership and uh, and and peace. So this is absolutely brilliant. So John, thank you so much. I mean, I have to say, I really really enjoyed this conversation. And and hats off to you. You're doing really really fabulous work. Please um, you know congratulate the sisters in in starting this and. And it's fabulous. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome, Doreen. It's great talking to you today. We'll talk and we'll talk like this to anybody. We just love it. And thank you for the invitation. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.